You may remain seated for this gospel reading. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the fifth verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and the section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered had his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I've endured among my people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. 
And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is a sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I had heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, I pray that the words that I speak to your beloved people this morning will truly bless them and give them even more joy. Amen. <clears throat> My name is Elizabeth. I am the mother of John. You know him as John the Baptist, but I know him as my son. You have no idea how amazing it is to say that to you. <clears throat> no one has given me a voice before. No one has been interested in hearing what happened all those centuries ago from my perspective. But I do have a story to tell, one that I hope will bless you, as I am aware that the world in your time suffers from corruption, war, cruelty, poverty, fear and disasters and the feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, just as it did in my time. One thing that women in your time don't have to live with is the shame, the terrible shame that was placed on women who could not give birth. I knew that shame for years and years. The word that described me was barren, a cruel word that tore at my soul as it meant that <clears throat> I had no new life in me. No seed could be nurtured in my womb. And even worse, it was believed that this was punishment from God for my sins. My husband, Zechariah, was a faithful priest and the people treated him with respect because they knew he lived according to God's law. But that was not the way they treated me. No way. For years, I had to put up with the snide comments and rejection from the women in our town who strutted around, showing off their swollen bellies with pride. I was a disgrace to them. I walked with my head down. 
There was no kindness there for me and definitely no joy. So often I cried to God for help. I had grown up hearing the Holy Scriptures. I knew of his promises, especially of the child who was to come and bring light and joy and peace into this dark world. And I knew about the special one who was to prepare for his coming, the one who was a great prophet like Elijah. Each year I would hope, beyond hope, that this would be the year that God would act, not only for myself, but for the world. But each year, it seemed that God had not heard my prayers. And in growing despair, I wondered whether the time would ever come when God would actually do something. But one day, long after I could even imagine having a child, everything changed. I was standing outside the temple praying while my husband, Zachariah, did his priestly duty inside. Most of the townspeople were there too, as was the custom, for we all knew that he was interceding for us. Strangely though, he didn't come out when we expected him to, and I really began to worry because there were times when priests died in the temple because of the power of God's presence. When he did appear, we were so shocked because his face was white and he didn't seem able to speak. All he could do was sort of use his hands. And as we, he did, we realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. Later that day, through gestures and writing, Zechariah told me that a great angel had appeared and had told him that our prayer had been heard and we would have a child. This child would be a joy and a delight for us and would be great in the sight of the Lord. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was all too much. Surely we were far too old to have a child. And I really felt for my husband as he wrote down the angel's angry words. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Then he punished Zechariah for voicing his doubts by taking away his voice altogether. He said rather childishly, I thought, for such a great angel. And now, sorry, he said rather childishly, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day when this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. Oh, how those last words struck at my own heart after all my doubts that God would ever do anything. But God was true to his word and I became pregnant. Shock, joy, wonder, excitement, all of these filled my heart, but so did fear. And so I became a recluse 
staying in my home for five long months in case, just in case I lost the child because of my age. Apart from my grief, if that had happened, I knew that the women in the town would decide that there never was a child and their cruel mocking words would make my life even worse than before. During this time, though, I pondered many, many things. Why was this the proper time for me to have a child? What role did God have for my son? And even though I was blown away when I realised that I now followed in the line of barren women like Sarah and Hannah, who were chosen by God to give birth to long-awaited sons, I still wondered why God was doing the same old thing. Surely it was time for something new to happen? Then one day, a visitor arrived, my young relative, Mary. As soon as she greeted us, I felt the power of God just go through me and the babe in my womb just leapt for joy. And as the Holy Spirit gave me the words, I cried out, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said would be accomplished. And as those words came out of my mouth, I felt rather guilty because I had been so impatient. Then she told me her story. It seems the Archangel Gabriel was pretty busy at this time. And I noted that he didn't get at all cranky with Mary when she questioned his words. I also noted that God was actually doing something new. Mary wasn't an older barren woman who was blessed with a child from her husband. Mary was young and a virgin. Her womb was fertile and her child would be the son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Unlike Isaac, the son of Sarah, who would be the leader of God's Hebrew people, or Samuel, the son of Hannah, who would be a great prophet. Mary's son, whose very name, Jesus, means God saves, was destined to fulfill the prophecy given to King David all those centuries ago, a prophecy that he would be there to save the world. This Jesus was the child prophesied by the great prophet Isaiah all those centuries ago. Mary and I shared three wonderful months together before she returned home and I gave birth to my son. Of course, everyone expected that he would be named Zachariah after his father. As was the custom, <clears throat> but Gabriel had told Zachariah that he was to be called John which means God's gracious gift, which was certainly the case. And through this break with tradition, to my great joy, I realised that we too would be part of this new thing that God was doing. 
Then the Holy Spirit not only gave Zechariah his voice back, he also gave him the words of prophecy, which revealed that our son John was indeed the one to prepare the way for the promised one, the son of Mary. So, all my questions had been answered except for one. Why was this the proper time for all these things to happen? I waited really impatiently, no doubt driving Zachariah mad with my never-ending questions and thoughts. And at times I even thought God would send the churlish angel Gabriel to shut me up. But the answer did come. Well, we have some sound. Uh, not, yet, not yet, not yet. everything we have. Not yet, please. <laughs> God, let's finish this bit. <laughs> but the answer did come, and in the most unexpected way, as an epiphany from God, when I heard that Mary's precious son had been born in Bethlehem instead of their hometown of Nazareth. Why? Because they had to go to Joseph's town for the Roman census. The Romans. God knew that in order for every prophecy and promise about Jesus to be fulfilled, he needed the Romans and their empire. Fancy using our arch enemies to save the world. Oh boy, did that make me doleful. <clears throat> but it took me a while to understand what the Romans had ever done for us. But eventually, light dawned. Indeed, they had done many things, all of which would prove to be essential for what would happen, not just next, but indeed long into the future. Here, now, you can discover what they were for yourselves. Okay. They led us wild bastards. They taken everything we had, and not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. Don't labour the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct, the sanitation, the two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously not roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct, and the road, irrigation, medicine, education. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah, yeah, that's something we've really missed, Reg, if the Romans left. Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> all right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health. What have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace. Oh, peace. Shut up. You'll have to unpack that for yourself, but it's so true. <clears throat> so you have heard my story. And I hope and pray that you will take from it three vital truths that will bless your lives in your difficult and stressful world. 
especially when God seems to have ignored your prayers. Firstly, that no matter what you are suffering, whether it be sickness, disappointment, criticism, rejection, or any other trouble, it is most definitely not punishment from God. You do not have to live with shame, criticism, or scorn from others, nor should you burden yourself with false guilt. God loves and accepts you just as you are and has a plan to bless you and bless others through you. Secondly, that you can say what you like to God. You can ask questions, nag, be insistent, persistent, express your doubts. God is not childish nor churlish like the great Archangel Gabriel. <clears throat> God loves honesty and passion. He also loves it when we stop feeling, speaking for a moment and do some listening, expecting his response in his way and in his time. Thirdly, that God does have time in his hands, even though it doesn't seem that way. As you wait for him to speak or act, hang in there, stay faithful and wait. Miracles happen in the most unexpected ways and often you won't realise it until you stop and look back at your life. Zachariah and I had the joy of sharing our son's childhood and great pride knowing that when the time was right, he would leave and go into the desert to prepare for his role as the one who would be called the prophet of the Most High. For he would go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. He would be the last of the old pro prophets, the end of the old way, preparing for and welcoming the new way in Jesus, the son of Mary, the son of God. Amen. Please would you stand, we're going to sing a carol together. 